0: Welcome to another episode of the Spoon Mob Podcast. My name's Ray. I'm your host. Uh, Today's episode going to be going back to Veritas, talking about them. We ate there a couple times, so just doing kind of a combined recap of the menus that we had. Uh, I think I talked previously, you know, the last episode we did was their Italian Supper Club, Um, and then we also wound up getting the Thanksgiving. It was a Thanksgiving, like, take-home meal kit thing uh, because of COVID, so we did that. And then we also did one for Christmas, uh, which was beef Wellington. Both extremely good, um, but I think the best thing out of each was the soup. Uh, ironically, the soups were just really good. Uh, the first one was a sweet potato carrot soup that we got like basically like two meals out of. At least, uh, I was really thick. Like when you're scooping it out of the container into like a saucepan, it was basically had like peanut butter like consistency. I think we I think we used a spatula to get it out. Um really dense, really heavy, really creamy, but delicious. And it like I ate that for lunch one day and that was like that was it. Like I don't need anything else, pretty full. The one that came with the Christmas one that was a cream of celery soup. Uh I'm not a big celery person, but you got just the light, subtle celery flavor. It wasn't overpowering or anything like that. Came with a truffle vinaigrette that you could kind of sprinkle in as much as you wanted to on top really really good it was thick it was creamy not as thick or dense as the sweet potato and carrot soup um but it was just like the right amount of creaminess and celery flavor and everything so both those were phenomenal i think the highlights of both those meal kits ironically with everything that comes into both those you know turkey and beef wellington and chutney and focaccia and all this other stuff. I think those were t- the soups were both my favorite things out of both those um meal kits. So then um eventually they did uh, after I think it was after Christmas, they started the French Supper Club. Basically some early kind of test dishes for the French restaurant that's going to open either sometime in the late fall of this year or maybe early 2022. Kind of just depends on, I think, um, the construction schedule. But didn't really know kind of what to expect kind of walking in. Uh, We were pretty early. I think we either went first or second week of the French Supper Club. So the first uh, dish was this bread and crudite and roulette. It was all kind of like charcuterie board, but that had a bunch of butters and different breads on it. But then there was also an ice bowl that came with basically fresh veggies it was you know baby radishes baby carrots um i think it might have been like sliced turnips were in there too and some greens and and everything like that and initially when it comes to your table you're like okay like you're not super excited about it but once you kind of get into eating it you're really really happy um you know green onions were in there too as well scallions there, it was it was a nice kind of like refreshing go at your own pace experience. Um, you didn't feel rushed if you took too long. You weren't trying to hurry through it in order to get the next course. Nothing was being timed or anything because it was you know mainly a cold, cold app. So that was kind of the thing that was like you could just pick and choose, go at your own pace. That was the thing that I really liked. I think out of everything on, I mean, it was definitely the butter. Uh, I'm a sucker for butter. Um, I think there was like a roulette and then there was also, I forget what the green one was. Hmm. I don't know if it was avocado or something or not. can't remember. It, it was good, but definitely the butter with the sea salt and everything. Um, that was awesome. I think probably out of the vegetables, the baby carrots just by themselves were really, really good. Uh, as were the radishes too. Those are kind of probably maybe the two, the two highlights. And it's a it's a decent amount of food too for for the starting course. It was I mean just me and my wife, but it was it was still decent. Next up was this uh, egg and truffle dish. So basically, it was like scrambled eggs underneath, kind of like a foam truffles mixed in, shaved truffles. Um, it's really good. <laughs> it's just it's savory. It's it's pretty light, like kind of medium to light. Uh, In terms of texture, I like scrambled eggs. They're my favorite egg style. Um, So definitely like that's right up my alley. Throw in some truffles, give it some extra savoriness too. And I thought it was, you know, everything was light and fluffy though. Like the eggs too were, even though they were kind of under this foam and some chives were sprinkled over top. But it was exactly as you'd imagine it as I'm describing it, but just tastes way better. that so really happy with that the third course and i think this was probably the best dish of the menu was this fluke and caviar and butter dish so it's a it's a piece of flounder and then the sauce over it is basically this butter sauce this french butter sauce and there's uh, i think there was capers in there too but like capers caviar trout roe all that's in there it's the best dish of the entire menu hopefully it's still on there if you get a chance to go I still doing the French supper club when this episode comes out, it'll come out in a couple of weeks from when I'm recording this, but because um, it's going to coincide with something else that we're doing. So it, the only difference from that dish to something that you would find at Le Bernardin, which is a three Michelin starred restaurant, in New York city, Eric repairs, the the co-executive chef, him and Eric Castell now um, since Eric Castell got promoted, but Eric repairs has been running it since like the nineties when he took over from, um, Le Cose there and who's basically started it, moved it from France. All that description's on the website. Just go to the Eric repair page. It'll tell you everything you need to know about Le Bernardin, all the research and everything that I did. Um, and it's like considered, you know, one of the best restaurants in the country, definitely like one of the best seafood restaurants, one of the best French restaurants, like across the board, all this stuff. The only difference between, what Veritas did, and what you would find if this dish was created at Le Bernardin, was the plating was different. Veritas used kind of like a more rectangle plate. Le Bernardin, like all their plates, I forget the name of it. I looked it up one time, but there are all these circular plates. It's so a solid white center, and then around the edge, they have all these little. It looks almost like a golf ball with all these little bubbles and divots and stuff. These circular, kind of half circle divots taken out, and it gives this like reflective. Really majestic, reflective quality, you know, to the aesthetic and everything. They're pretty expensive. I can't remember the name, but I remember when I looked them up the one time, they were like, I want to say they were like fifty or a hundred bucks, like a plate or something like that. Like it's it's pretty expensive, but they're awesome plates. And a few different other restaurants use them here or there for certain dishes, but they basically Le Bernardin uses those dishes for every course essentially. And if you go to the page, you'll you'll see what I mean, but That was the main difference. And the other difference was at Le Bernardin, somebody would have done a sauce pour over. Like it would have come out with just a piece of fish and probably some caviar, some capers, and some trout roe like on top of the fish. But they would have come out and they would have spooned over the sauce that would have had more capers and caviar and trout roe in it. And they would have spooned that over table side. And they probably couldn't do it at Veritas because of COVID but it would have been awesome to be done that way. Those are really the only two differences. Uh, I mean, it's a phenomenal dish. It's perfect. There's nothing to change. It's awesome. Dish after that was uh, duck and endive and truffle. Not super big on endive myself, um, as I kind of explained in the Cleaver um, review podcast when, when we had it on one of their dishes too. This undive was better than that, but I'm still just not, it's got the bitterness to it. I mean, they covered it with, you know, truffle and stuff like that. So it definitely helped kind of soften some of the the bitterness. Um, The duck was really well done. And I'm not from like a, it was perfectly cooked, but it had a nice skin on it. A nice, crispy, crunchy skin, which is exactly kind of what you want with a good piece of duck. Um, Cooked perfectly too as well. And the endive was a little tough to cut. Um, I I think that's just endive in itself. I don't think that has anything to do with how it was cooked or how it was prepped or anything like that. One thing I did notice about this dish too, and I'll try and remember to put this on Instagram when this podcast comes out. But to me, this dish was very similar, kind of like a, there's a slight like wink and a nod to 11 Madison Park. And so Daniel Hum, one of his famous dishes is is a duck dish. And there's like a slice of duck and he's very minimalist and plating and everything. Um, using negative space and all that stuff, but there's a slice of duck and there's usually uh, a circle. Sometimes it's rhubarb, sometimes it's blueberry, whatever. And then usually a little sauce kind of poured over. I think um, that circle, this was very similar to that in the plating style. Um, maybe I'm the only one that thinks that way because I've, I've eaten there too as well and, and eaten at both. But I, I kind of saw it and I was like, this is, and it's not, it's not like a rip off. It's not anything like that, but it's just very similar in a good way. So really impressed, you know, by that dish too, as well. Dish after that was a steak, um, and mushroom up kind of thing. Um, Steak was cooked wonderfully. The mushrooms were actually really good. I like maitake mushrooms, but I am kind of picky. I wound up eating my wife's because she didn't want them. She's kind of mushroomed out, I think. Um, she's like a, how I was like a couple of years ago. And now it's basically like chicken of the woods, hen of the woods, mitake. Like those are kind of the only mushrooms I eat. Um, I don't really want like a portobello or, or anything like that. But if it's in like the menu, like I'm not going to be like, hey, can you take the portobello? Like I'm not an asshole, but... Um, the thing that actually really stood out, everything was, was cooked well. The steak was great, but the thing that stood out the most about this course was the dehydrated onions, red onions. So they're really thin, like red onion circles. Like you'd find on like a burger, you know, like a Whopper or something like that, but thinner than that. And they were dehydrated and gave them kind of like this. They were like chewy. You got the onion flavor, like the onion flavor from sour cream and onion chips that you would eat. Like it was kind of like that quick potency. Um, but there was like a candied sweetness to them too as well. It was I've, I've never encountered dehydrated onions, at least knowingly. Uh, that was kind of like the highlight of the dish. <laughs> I was just this one thing that, that was like, this is really interesting. This is really unique. This is really good. Um, so that was definitely kind of the highlight of that dish. Everything was cooked well on that dish, but that was kind of the one standout. And then the dessert, so I messed up, and I didn't take one of the pictures. There was a dessert that came, and it was it was pretty simple. It was basically, it wasn't ice cream necessarily, but it, it was basically, you know, something along those lines, and it had, like, rose salt on it. It was really good. It was a small little kind of, like, palate cleanser dessert. Um, I haven't seen a photo of it either but uh, to like snag off Instagram if somebody else took it and and give them credit for it, but put it in here so I could at least have it in there. But it's really, really good. Um, Simple, straightforward, salt, ice cream can't kind of really go wrong. The last dessert was a uh, a raspberry dessert. So you had like meringues in there. There was a raspberry sauce and it was kind of this spiky, Um, you know, all these little kind of spikes coming out of the center of the dish, a little, you know, kind of dusting along the side of the dish tart. Um, you know, you get kind of like that light styrofoam type texture from the meringue, but you also get, you know, slight tartness, little floral notes kind of in there too, as well. Um, it just kind of all melts in your mouth and you want to hold on to like the meringue and just let it melt in your mouth and then go back for more. And it's, the tartness is really light. It's not, you know, eye watering, it's not mouth puckering or anything like that. Uh, It's really beautifully plated too as well. Um, Definitely. And you could kind of see them doing it through the glass. Um, I could, you know, you can kind of see them working on it. If you kind of look at the right angle when they were doing it and then squeezing out all the different stuff. So it's probably not that hard to like actually construct Um, but it just works. It just works. You get the reds, the pinks, the whites, it all kind of just works together. So that was the French supper club menu. Now you're probably not going to have most of those dishes that I just described. They change stuff over pretty quick, um, in terms of different dishes that they're doing. So you might get a couple of those, you might get something similar. Um, I think like the week or two after, you know, they were still doing like they were doing like a bread and spread, which was basically like part of what we had, but it didn't have the vegetables um, with it. That part went away. So, you know, you might not get exactly everything that we had. Some of it would be along the same same vein and everything, too. But it it all falls under kind of the French theme, really, is what's going on. So... We went back for uh, Valentine's Day. Uh, They were doing like a Valentine's weekend menu. Um, Just because if you're a restaurant, you kind of have to, I feel like. So first course was a panna cotta. I'm a sucker for panna cotta. It was a coconut panna cotta, had some trout roe on there. There was some herbs and like a crab salad. It was really good. It was smooth, light texture you know, kind of sweet flavor from the panna cotta, but everything just kind of worked well together. It was very balanced. You know, you had all the different texture elements and everything too. There was a table kind of like across from us and they came in after. And when uh, the waitress, the server, she brought out like the course, like the one guy's face was just so funny because he was just like, what is that? Like he, you could tell like he, he was looking for a way to be like, this is, I don't want this. This isn't good. And then he ate it and he was like, wow, this is really good. And I was like, yeah, yeah, just eat it. Shut up. Um, of course, after that was a tortelloni and a consomme, uh, with some truffle. Chewy, savory, delicate. The only issue that I kind of really had with this dish was I just wanted more pasta. They're really good at, Dalton's really good at creating pasta dishes. And so when you only get kind of like three tortelloni in the bowl, um, you know you just want more. Give me like six I don't know that the nitpicky complaint, but only complaint I got uh for that dish the lobster and grits dish I again like shrimp lobster, not fan of either of those things. The lobster was really, really well done. It wasn't a main lobster. I don't know where it was sourced from it was definitely i feel like it's definitely a Pacific lobster or maybe something from. Somewhere, you know, you get the smaller kind of like rock lobsters. Definitely not an East Coast lobster. Could have been a Gulf, source from the Gulf. Maybe even source from out West, possibly. But definitely not East Coast. Perfectly cooked. There's no chewiness. um, Succulent, juicy, wasn't dried out or anything like that. Sauce was perfect. That went with it too as well. Um, Then underneath you kind of had, you know, the quote-unquote grits, the Carolina grits, everything just worked really well with that dish. And it was, I was really surprised. I'm not a lobster fan. I'm not somebody who seeks out lobster. I'm usually somebody who avoids it. I just, I don't like it. The only time I really even eat it is if it's incorporated in a tasty menu. Cause I just, I don't put any dietary restrictions or anything like that in there because I want to experience the menu as the chef is envisioning it. Everything was, it was, it was I mean, it was just good. I, I don't, there's nothing I can really even nitpick or pick apart on that. So I think that might even been ironically like my favorite course. Um, with the probably the coconut panna cotta right behind it. But the dish after that was standard, you know, wagyu filet. Uh, I think there was some like charred broccoli, horseradish, uh, foam. Uh, the way it was described to me was horseradish styrofoam. Um, and I was like, well, I'm not sure why you're using styrofoam. That gives you a whole different vision, just say foam. But the filet, perfectly cooked, large quantities, large chunks. I did not get broccoli on mine. I think they must have missed it. But I had a piece of, when they were plating, I think they forgot it or or whatever. But when I had a piece of my wife's broccoli, because she had it on there, I don't know. It was just, it was really charred. It was kind of dry almost. Um, I didn't really care for it. So it wasn't mad that it wasn't on my plate. It just it didn't fit. Um, I just basically give me the Wagyu filet, give me the horseradish foam. That's all I really wanted. Those two things worked perfectly on the plate. Everything else, whatever. Uh, like I said, I wasn't mad about missing the broccoli at all. It's kind of classic, but still delicious. Like you know exactly what you're going to get with this dish, but it's still good. You still want it. You're still happy with it. The dessert was this kind of dark chocolate and raspberries. So raspberries scattered around, um, there's a chocolate ganache, which is basically, you know, a really high quality rich chocolate frosting in my mind. Um, fresh raspberries. So you got, you know, kind of the fruity tartness, and then you also got the chocolatey goodness of traditional desserts, kind of like a chocolate cake frosting. Um, Simple, classic combination, basically, you know, fruit and chocolate, you know, something that's tart with chocolate, so pretty straightforward, very good. Uh, I think they kind of reinvented it and repurposed it, you know, and, and I think some of that might even be included in the French menu now, um, based on what I saw on Instagram. But yeah, the the Valentine's Day menu was just kind of straightforward, classic, greatest hits kind of stuff, Thrown, you know, it's nothing that's mind blowing. It's nothing that really takes you, pushes your, you know, envelope or anything like that. It's just classic comfort food kind of, you know, what you would expect at if a steakhouse was doing a tasting menu kind of thing. So, um, but it's definitely happy with it. You know, we were definitely, you know, satisfied when we left. So, and that is, um, that's it for the, the Veritas recap. I think this is the fourth one we've done, right? Let me look. Uh, one, two, three. Yep. So previous episodes, you can go back and listen to number three, the third podcast that I ever did. I was on Veritas, mostly about uh, Chef Dalton's bio and going through that and then all the courses that we kind of ate up to that point. Number 45, uh, it's the Veritas recap, the second one that we did. Number 72, that one's got like the Italian Supper Club in there. And number seven, that was spec Dalton was still up at spec cause Veritas was closed at that point. Um, now Olivia Hammond is the, the main chef up at spec Dalton's kind of behind the scenes on that, but he's mainly down at Veritas. So check that out. Uh, there'll be more coming on that. There'll be another spec podcast cause we ate there again and with Olivia's food. So that'll be coming out. But, um, this is, you know, dropping on a Monday here. So, uh, basically on Thursday will be an interview I did with, uh, Dalton who came on the podcast. So we met up at uh, Veritas downtown when they were closed and kind of just shot the shit. Um, kind of went through his, you know, culinary career and, you know, up to this point and kind of what's next and talked about, you know, the wine bar that they're working on French restaurant, moving spec, all the stuff that he encountered, you know, with Veritas when he first started it and and all that stuff and coronavirus and, and everything. So it was definitely cool to kind of go through all that with them and and just kind of have him on the podcast. Somebody I definitely wanted to have on um, at the beginning, you know, when I first started getting chefs to come on. Like he was definitely somebody that was definitely targeting. So it was great to finally get him on. Um, so that'll be coming out on Thursday. It's like about an hour... 20 hour 30 something like that so make sure you check out all their stuff um go to the page on the website josh dalton um so that's got all the veritas stuff on there and then some of the spec stuff if you go to olivia hammond's page that's got other spec stuff uh on there too as well the breakdown write up all that stuff instagram for them uh 1808 bistro uh, bar at the bistro at veritas 614 at the citizens trust at spec italian uh, and there'll be more coming out once they have, a at, um, accent, I think is, is the wine bar one. I got to update that, but yeah, check out all that stuff. Appreciate everybody listening. Um, you know, look forward. I think the next, uh, we'll look forward to getting back to, to Veritas when probably they change over the menu or unless, you know, possibly when, if we just get bored and decide to go back for the French supper club. But I still think our Italian supper club experience was just a touch better than the French one. Um, I think what really separates the two is probably, probably the desserts. I think, um, between the two really is the main difference because with the Italian supper club, you had this kind of chocolate espresso cake and you had, it was had all the different textures and everything. Uh, it was a little bit more dynamic than, than what, uh, the one with the French. I think that's maybe the separation. Um, plus they had more pasta. And then, the, yeah, see the, the halibut and parchment, which is awesome to see. The polenta was really good. So the edge does, still goes to the Italian Supper Club, but the French Supper Club is very delicious, so I would recommend checking that out. But check out all their stuff. Make sure you rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, help spread the word, all that stuff. Um, check out the website. Always new stuff going up there. Course breakdowns, pictures, all that stuff. And um, appreciate everybody listening. Help spread the word. Talk to you guys later.